Barricades. My name is Bujan Stanislavski and I'm one of the co-hosts of this show. The other co-host, Dr. Maria Chernat, is currently vacationing. Uh, so I'll be here alone or actually not exactly alone because uh, recently I had the honor of interviewing two prominent uh, US peace activists, Medea Benjamin, founder of Code Pink, uh, Women Against War, uh, and author of a recently published book on the war in Ukraine. Uh, and Anne Wright, a former U.S. State Department official who resigned in protest uh, against the war in Iraq. Uh, what struck me most during this long conversation was, I think, the the emotion, the passion, and uh, the seriousness of commitment uh, both Medea and Anne have for opposing U.S. imperialism and advocating for peace and understanding and diplomacy. And now for the interview, it's divided into three parts, each of which is equally interesting. Because the political compass is obviously broken now. I mean, you know, yeah. who's on the left, who's on the right? You know, the left does what the right has to do and the other way around. It's very strange. Do you think that there's an, an option, despite the difficulties, there's there's actually a viable prospect for creating a movement, a grassroots-based movement, because there the differences don't matter so much anymore, right? Or maybe they do, but we don't see that. Like, uh, that's, that, that's how I see things. I mean, there is this small optimistic element that you know regardless of whether you're on you're a patriot or an internationalist regardless of what you think about you know gay marriage or something like that you can still be against war together to the extent at least that this well you can be against some wars or <laughs> that seems like all right all right all yeah, wars. Good, yeah. Good but i'll just mention yeah. the media i mean yeah. the media has such a huge part to play in this and the u.s media and i think the european media has just been gung-ho for war before, mm-hmm. to the extent that we've had to buy uh, ads in newspapers to get our point of view across. We bought a full-page wow. ad in the New York Times uh, that had the listing. Of, it was quite a remarkable document of the history of all of this. Which it's quite remarkable that she published dollars, it. Because she paid $80,000. Yeah, but even if I pay $8,000 today to... 80, 40, 80, 80, oh, okay. 80, well, that makes... <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then... The difference. Yeah. In the Hill magazine, which, you know, is given out to all the congressional offices, another ad that we had to buy to get in there because the voices challenging the war are not being heard at all. You can't even get... I mean, Medea, who's written a book about it, who's, you know a long, long history of anti-war stuff that usually, you know, people want to get her version of whatever it is, but I mean, you're not getting any. No, and we're what we're also doing is buying ads in Catholic newspapers, in other religious newspapers, um, because... You're not prosecuted for that? Because no, in Poland, if I even attempt to do that, really? I, will, I will be in trouble. Capitalism is stronger in the U.S. than here. Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, no, no, obviously it is, because when you look at Germany, for example, which is deindustrializing itself right now, I was thinking that the uh, German industrials, they would prevail over this madness. But no. Right. No, Wouldn't I, you think that? You see? Yeah. So, like, the ide- ideology can, can really do a lot of magic. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But I do think that um, different sides can come together just for on this one issue. But I also think that during this election season, 
we're going to have a lot more chances to build this movement um, because you see on the Democratic side, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who is running uh, as a Democrat mm -hmm. and has come out with a great analysis of Ukraine. I mean, he even did an interview the other day with Jeffrey Sachs. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, he's coming out strong on this and he's got 20% of the Democrats at a time when the media is saying he's a crank, he's a nutcase, don't pay any attention to him. The people are perking up and saying, oh, this guy's interesting, you know, he's smart, he has interesting things to say. So that gives a big voice to this anti-war sentiment. And then there is also on the, um, more to the left is uh, Cornell West, who is a theologian, uh, a, a black activist who's been involved in all kinds of wonderful peace and, and justice movements for his whole life. Uh, he's now trying to get the nomination for the Green Party, and he has a ter terrific analysis uh, on Ukraine and war and militarism in general, and he'll start to get more and more of a, of a voice. And then on the Republican side, you get Trump, mm -hmm. and you're going to get a lot of differences among the candidates on the Republican side, and that will help bring out more discussion as well. So this is an opportunity for us to really reach new audiences and build up this sentiment. Now, I don't say that these are people who are going to come out on the street. I don't think this is the way uh, it's going to so evolve. So is this the, the major difference between the societies, the general culture, political culture today, the mass political culture today and in the past that people are not so keen about going out in the streets? They're more keen to, you know, uh, splash hashtags around Twitter or whatever. Sign a petition. Sign a petition, yeah, that kind of stuff, right? So uh, this this level of demobilization, if you like, of uh, of the societies of the, again, to use this phrase, collective West, which I, I think is a very accurate phrase. That's why I'm, I'm using it. I wonder, uh, are the is the are the ruling classes or particularly the American ruling class less afraid of social reaction than it used to be in the past? Well, I wouldn't say collective West because look at France. I mean, people come out in mass numbers and start burning buildings down. Oh yeah, but that's uh, a they, that's a French tradition. You well, know. that's French <laughs> and Italian. They come out in large numbers, and you know we can name other places in Europe where they come out on for strikes, and mm -hmm. you know there are mobilizations that are happening. I think Europe tends to be more. Uh, out on the streets than in the United States in general. Our trade union movement is very weak in the U.S. Um, uh, but um, I think around these foreign policy issues, because as we talked about it, um, it's not this anger that the U.S. invaded a country mm -hmm. and look at what's happening to the victims. The so victims are the Ukrainians. It's more confusing. Uh, they're not going to come out on the streets about this. They might call their congressperson, and that's the thing that we're asking them to do. Uh, but also, as you get into election uh, season, there's constant opinion polls being taken on all kinds of issues. And the politicians are politicians, you know. They, they put their finger in and see which way the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's going to be a lot of change as this moves because, oh, you know. All right. Kids... So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the upcoming le presidential election. Uh, is there, does Donald Trump stand an actual chance of winning this election? 
Because many people here in Poland, they, you know, many commentators, so-called experts, self-appointed most of them, experts in international politics, they say, oh, no, no worries, you know, Trump is this, like, pro-Russian, whatever, like, they don't call him Russian asset anymore after the reports, you know, but, you know, this pro-Russian president that would be very unfortunate for us because, you know, we really want to go, well, of course, they don't say it, but that's what they're thinking, we really want to, you know, take down Russia take down their government uh so uh it, it's it's much better now uh, or it's it, it would be better if uh joe biden remains in office but now they are pumping up donald trump because they feel that he is the kind of guy that uh no one is gonna vote for yeah that he's just uh, a worn out brand and that kind of stuff and i kind of think are you repeating the strategy that failed in 2016 because that's what it seems like I never thought Trump would win in 2016. I was stayed up uh, watching the polls and I just, I didn't believe it. I thought this can't possibly be what's happening in the United States. And now I realize, well, the United States is a crazy place right now. And Donald Trump has captured the Republican Party. It is astounding. All the crazy stuff that he has done, people on office are afraid to criticize him. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose his base. And he has a rapport with people that he can, as he said, he can walk down Fifth Avenue and kill somebody and, you know, nothing happens. I mean, he might go to jail right now and he's facing serious problems. This will be used for him as another chance exactly. to be They're showing himself yeah, the, he's victim. the victim. Yeah. He's the victim. And Deep he plays, and it, plays right it so well. And you know, he gets away with everything. He can call anybody anything he wants to. He he is ruthless. Um, so, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility at all that the American public, by a narrow margin, I mean, he, he lost the popular vote in 2016, yeah. but he got the Electoral College vote. So it's, it's quite possible that, mm -hmm. you know, unless uh, a couple of uh, Republican... Uh, candidates really come on strong and really go after him in ways that it's kind of hard to predict how they would do this because he is so ruthless going after anybody that challenges mm -hmm. him. They're and, all afraid, like yeah. dodging, don't yeah. go after me, don't go after me. Party. Yeah. 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 So, but also recognize just how insane it is. The political scene that we have with Biden who, you have to place your hopes. My majority, majority, majority people don't want Biden. Majority of Democrats don't want Biden. And Biden, yeah, doesn't even want to debate. And everybody's so afraid if he gets in front of a, a you know, a, an opponent, what the heck is he going to say? Um, so it's just, it, it's, there is insanity. And Biden's age is definitely an issue. No, it's almost elderly abuse. Yeah, Sorry, right, that's right. just... Yeah. Yeah. So um, to think of a contest between Biden and Trump is just like pitiful, absolutely yeah. pitiful. The hundreds of millions of people, the brilliant people we have in our country, the brilliant politicians that we have in our country, and they can't rise to the top. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, that, that's my question. So you know that. You know that. I know that. Like many people know that. So some of your politicians got to be realizing that too. And oh, they're silent. I think they do realize it and they are silent because... The Biden team at the Democratic uh, National Committee is going to silence them. And on the Republican side, they're just scared to death of, of Trump. Mm -hmm. They're not about to go after him. Okay, and if Trump 
wins the 2024 elections. Do you really think he's going to do that? He's going to call Zelensky and he's going to tell him, it's over, man. No more weapons, no more munitions. Do you think he's going to really do that? I think it's a possibility, but you can't trust Trump as far as you can throw him. Uh, so I wouldn't put great hopes in that. I would never vote for Trump, no matter what. But, you know, there is some hope. Uh, but, you know, we have plenty of issues to worry about, and it's not just Ukraine. And Trump has been awful on so many others. I mean, look at the, the case of Iran and how uh, he pulled out of the nuclear deal there. Look at how he's tortured the people of Cuba, and Biden has, you know, continued that policy. So uh, I don't think I would put any trust or faith in Trump. Right. Well, uh, that's... Uh... That's a kind of conclusion that I, <laughs> I expected from you. Uh, all right, so for the end of our conversation, let's speak about what is important for, uh, for the American public. What matters are important? Because let's just try and enlighten a little bit our Eastern European audience of what America is actually like, politically speaking. What are the most important topics that are the, or themes that the American public is concerned about? Three of them. Economy, economy, economy. Mm. and maybe economy <laughs> <laughs> and then then the issues of you know trying to get foreign policy into into the if even if they have debates uh but to get the candidates really talking about foreign policies versus um the domestic policies which are the ones that are the bread and butter for these candidates i mean that they all start talking about um not not enough about health care but they'll They'll go in, I get, for the Republicans, the culture wars is what they'll, they'll start in on. Yeah. Um, but We have a cheap copy of that here, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we so, always copy things from the so Americans. The, I, I don't anticipate that the war in Ukraine is going to be a major topic. But I'm still really Biden don't. wants the victory, right? Because he well, thinks he wants it's important it, but for his campaign. I think it's probably easier not to talk so much about it mm -hmm. during the campaign. Okay, but wouldn't it pay off? politically to actually have some kind of deal signed right now for him, for his campaign. Wouldn't that uh, be I think so. I mean, you know, he has said that Putin needs an off-ramp. And I would say everybody needs an off-ramp mm -hmm. and that there are plenty of off-ramps mm -hmm. to offer. I mean, if everything is about spin. So how do you spin uh, where the line in the Donbass is going to be? How do you spin what kind of referendum would be held? How do you spin... Uh, what's going to happen in, in Crimea? How do you spin the neutrality of NATO versus all of the, the, uh, the benefits that Ukraine is going to get, whether it's in NATO or not? Mm. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to spin this, and there's all kinds of issues. So there is no political will. That's it. It's absolutely about political will. Absolutely. I mean, when we say that Trump could pick up the phone and say to Zelensky, sit down and start negotiating, mm -hmm. we know that that's about political will. And that's why I go back to this issue of the Chinese, because I think the Chinese could help create the political will. And when we say that everything's about the economy, um, you know, it is costing the U.S. taxpayers a lot of money, mm -hmm. the Ukraine issue. And while they might not want to talk about it in the political terms, from the economics uh, it's going to be a very difficult thing if in S September, which they're talking about now needing more money, 
um, the public will start looking at these politicians and saying, wait, we just had a big fight about the debt ceiling. We just had a big fight in which you took money away from poor people who need food, when you took benefits away from the elderly, when you said that we which could... Which did happen. Yes, this. yes, yes, all of no this. No one speaks about that here. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, you say that we're going to give more money to Ukraine, and I remember at a press conference when Biden kind of slipped, you know, as he often does, and said, we're supporting the, not just the military, we're supporting the Ukrainian government, and we're paying even for the pensions of the Ukrainian people. And, and people in the U.S. said, oh my God, we don't even get pensions anymore. What happened to that? Yeah. And so I think, you know, from the economic point of view, it can be an issue. And um, they're trying to... Uh, lengthen the amount of time they can go without calling for a new round of money for Ukraine because you know it's been 114 billion dollars already right. it's a lot of money um, so that's I think where it fits into this issue of economy 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 because people care about their own individual economic situation they're very individualistic in the United States mm -hmm. and you know while some people might be fighting for we believe that women should have access to uh, all kinds of health care that they deserve, or we believe that there should be uh, free child care, which there isn't in the United States. Um, we believe that uh, there should be a, 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 um, a minimum wage that's a living wage. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are issues that are all economic issues yeah. that people care about. So if you put the Ukraine in, into that mix as an economic issue, I think it could okay. be. Okay, and what about, like, out of all those economic issues which are very important for the Americans, uh, let's let's speak for a short while about healthcare, because this seems to be a topic that is very hot. It's been very hot for a long time now. And is America any closer now to free universal healthcare than it was 10 years ago or yeah, something? Well, no. Okay. No, in fact, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who's running as a very progressive Democrat, when he's asked about that, he said, you just couldn't get it in the United States. You, couldn't, you just get, couldn't get it? Couldn't get universal health care. The pharmaceutical companies are so powerful. The insurance companies are so powerful. The narrative against, you know, you can't you can't go to the doctor that you want. I mean, all of this and the BS. The mega... Uh, medical facilities themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're corporations that run hospitals and they run run doctors off if the doctors aren't willing to do exactly what they need for the profit for the corporation. So then what, they get the sack? Yeah, they can be thrown out. So we have the worst, one of the worst healthcare systems in the industrialized world, I would say, and the most expensive. Yeah, the most expensive. So that's an issue too, is the expense of it. But, um, but apparently it's sustainable. I mean, it's been... It's not sustainable over the long term, because if you look at... at okay, politically what is sustainable, up, since it can be managed politically. Right? Yeah, yeah. But um, in terms of costs, it's not sustainable. And when it gets to things like uh, increasing the age for Medicare, issues like that, you know, that's a iron rail. That's a, that's a tough one. To and see. even on... Like Medicare, you know, government-sponsored health care once you re reach 65. Mm -hmm. Well, trying to get, um, uh, what do you call them? Pills. Little pills. Medicine. Yeah, medicine. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to get medicine uh, 
on a generic basis that that will cost like one tenth of what it costs you uh, if you don't have Medicare insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, the government trying to get this low cost generic stuff. The pharmaceuticals are going crazy on it because they're going to lose, you know, massive profits. Mm -hmm. And yet, as every other government in the world for their healthcare system buys cheaper good but cheaper stuff and yet in the u.s we don't do it people have to go to canada or mexico to get drugs it's amazing yeah it's an awful healthcare system and it just shows corporate control of such a critical part of our lives okay and for the very end of the program i just want to ask you about the crumbling infrastructure in Me is it real is it true it's a mess because you know we we have this myth this mythology here in europe that in america everything is clean and shiny and fantastic yeah, don't ride just... amtrak <laughs> don't ride our, our trains our train system basically doesn't exist no, and what I... exists is falling apart yeah and when we have we still are using you know almost 80 year old trail rail 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 rails mm -hmm. uh, to transport huge amounts of chemicals all over the country and we just had you know a massive train yeah. wreck that destroyed one town essentially and we're just we're living on the edge of all of this infrastructure that is not being replaced and even though biden but it's also schools able, and hospitals and that kind of facilities too you know if you have money you can get the best schools and you can get great hospitals okay. and you know we love our country uh, it breaks my heart to see what's happening to it. It really does. It breaks my heart that you go to every major city, and I just traveled to 70 cities. Every city I went to has a huge area of homeless population. Wow. It is unacceptable. It is absolutely unacceptable. You have people living all over the streets, and the cities just can't deal with it. We have mental issues that are horrific because of the level of drugs, and there's no mental health. I mean, we have uh, young people living on the streets who can't get access to the mental care they need to get them off the drugs and off the streets. And you have um, many people in uh, some of the poorer areas of the cities who uh, children go to school and can graduate from high school without being able to read and write. A horrible situation. The inequalities in our country are astounding and getting worse constantly. And I see, um, I see our, our 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 country crumbling from the inside between the haves and have-nots. And it is really painful to watch it happen because the American people deserve so much better. We have so much. We have so much to give each other. And people are good people, just like they're good people around the world. You know, they want to help each other and all of that. But we have a system that really is focuses on um, not taxing the wealthy. Right now, uh, we have had a debate about um, reducing the the um, the debt, and one of the things they took away was money that the Internal Revenue S Service would use to check the taxes being paid by the wealthiest people. That money was taken away on purpose by the Republicans because they don't want the rich to have to pay taxes. And, you know, so you get this system that is just so skewed in favor of the wealthy. 
and massive numbers of, of people who can't get a decent job at a living wage, can't get access to housing, can't get access to Local good education, um, a, a, a unions that are that are basically been decimated. And so it's not a healthy state no. of the U.S. economy. Okay, how do you remain optimistic in, in situations like that? Well, you've got to be optimistic. Otherwise, we're up a creek. Right. <laughs> you, you've just got to keep working on these issues and and calling out politicians when they um, are doing bad and hope that you can develop enough concern in the community that they stop electing some of these idiots that are causing some of this problem. And I see it as um, moving towards a better phase, that things get worse with the divisions uh, and then people rise up. And so I'm waiting for the revolution and I want to be part of that. That's Right. Thank you very much. Again, I'd like to remind you that The Barricade is an independent media outlet based in Bulgaria, which I co-run with a colleague from Bucharest, uh, Dr. Maria Cernat, whom I mentioned already. Uh, check out our website, our YouTube channel, and our channels on Rumble and Odyssey. Our videos are also available on Substack, where you can also find audio versions of our podcasts and articles. Our audio productions are also available on Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, and one more important, I think, remark, none of our videos or audios are monetized. Uh, if you see an advertisement in the middle of the podcast, feel free to skip it. It doesn't help us in any way. If you believe our journalistic efforts are important and worthy of your support, then please consider subscribing to our channel, sharing with your friends and followers and making a one-off donation or purchasing a monthly subscription through Patreon or Substack. The description box contains all of the necessary links. Uh, you can uh, also help to support our Eastern European independent journalism by using our media company, Nonstop Media, for all kinds of commercial purposes. Uh, we've worked in media, reporting, design, video, audio and text editing, publishing, translations, interpreting, event planning and variety of other fields. Uh, we have fantastic specialists on board who can do amazing things with words and images. For more information, go ahead and visit our website at nonstopmedia.eu. Thank you.